With a 50% obesity rate in the U.S. and more unhealthy people than ever before, it is time to make America healthy. Welcome to Make America Healthy with Beth Shaw. If you're feeling tired, toxic, heavy, slow, or stressed, then keep listening. Beth and her expert guests are here to offer practical advice and share the tools you need to reclaim your physical, mental, and emotional health. Now, here is your host, Beth Shaw. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Make America Healthy. Happy Holidays. And we have a very special show for you today. The show is about conquering fear. And with the holidays coming up, people are triggered uh, psychologically, emotionally, uh, perhaps even physically, sometimes having to be with family members that they have challenges with or dealing with all the stress of the holidays um, can be a trigger for people. So we're going to talk today about conquering fear with a very cool guy, Coach Tony Blauer, who is a martial artist, self-defense guy. He is, um, I just, he, he's amazing. He has formed many different organizations to help people conquer their fear using military tactics, uh, martial arts, personal and professional self-defense uh, strategies, neuroscience. He's worked with the military, uh, police, SWAT, and um, has a no fear program. That's K-N-O-W, no fear program, which focuses on managing fear through awareness, resiliency, and a movement mindset. So Tony and I actually have a lot in common. Um, we both use physical activity to transform and inspire people. I obviously, through Yoga Fit, use yoga and meditation and mindfulness and other mind-body tools. And Tony is using a lot of martial arts, uh, combat, and, and I think a really good combination um, of the mind and body. So, Tony, uh, without further ado, welcome to Make America Healthy. Hey, Beth. Great to be here. Thank you. So you have uh, quite a career, and uh, I'm so happy that you came on the show. I, I'm a huge fan, and as a person that deals with my own fear on on a rare, pretty regular basis, um, I was you know kind of fascinated by your work and started to listen to different podcasts that you were on because I I struggle like many people do with my own fears, although from the outside probably you know, running an international school and traveling around the world and, and making decisions. It doesn't seem like I have fear, but, you know, we all do. And so I'm always trying to face my fears head on and, and move through them. And you actually have a system that helps people do that. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into this and how you're going to help the listeners today move through some of their own fears? Sure. So, well, first of all, thanks for your uh transparency and sharing that vulnerability because a lot of people, particularly CEOs, entrepreneurs, leaders, don't want anybody to think that they've got fears, that they've got their own anxieties about stuff. And and uh, so before I answer your question in more detail, I just want to talk a little bit about my fears. So here I am, you know, uh, I've been teaching 
martial arts, self-defense, combatives to the highest level, tier one military, all the way down to soccer moms and yoga moms and everything in between. And uh, so people look at me, uh, you know, I've been teaching now since 1977. It's 2022. I've been teaching professionally for over 40 years, travel the world, working with like everybody and uh, all the acronym agencies, all the, you know, pro fighters and everything. So people see me as a macho guy. And when I, when I developed the no fear program, again, spelled K-N-O-W, not the, not the, you know, bravado, no fear, you know, like, Hey, there's no such thing as no fear. Cause there isn't. And when people learn that, that like I'll talk to a group and I'll go, I, I have fear every day. I got three kids. I worry about them every day. Uh, I run a business. I worry about the business. You know, I am married. I worry about my wife. And the thing about fear and managing fear is just exactly that word. The operative word there is managing fear. What people do is they when they hear that and they think that maybe it's like going to school where you graduate, you know, sixth grade, and then you never have to do it again. Like you don't ever get to a point where, you know, you, you finish the course I do and you go, so, so I'm done with fear in my life. Cause I paid you this money and I went through your course and I got a hundred. That's not the way it works. The idea here, and this was a big epiphany for me, of course, a fancy word for a light bulb moment. Uh, when I realized that your fears change as your life changes. What I was scared of when I was 10 changed when I was 20, changed when I was 30, changed when I was 40. You know, I never, I never used to think about dying. Both my parents passed away. My mom died uh, a, a year ago. And for the first time ever, my brain went, oh, I'm the oldest. I'm next. <laughs> What's And I started thinking about that. And here's the thing. And this is the, the stuff of, you know, what I'll do my best to share with your audience, whether they ever talk to me again or listen to me again or, or, or get involved in any of the training is this idea that uh, we have comfort zone, things we're cool with, and then we have a discomfort zone around us. And we look at that, that discomfort zone, we go, I think I can get through this. And then we have what I lovingly refer to as the holy shit zone. And the holy shit zone is like stuff that you look at and you actually, and, and I love jokingly, um, you know, I didn't want any psychobabble terminology. I was like, let's say holy shit, right? And and people love it because it's like, that's what you would say. I go, Beth, guess what? You're going to have to do this next week because this happened in the business and this happened here. And, and you say to yourself, holy shit, how am I going to get through this? Holy shit, what am I going to do? So, it's a, you know, just again, it's just a nomenclature that isn't academic and making us feel even worse than we feel. But the idea there is, when we look at things in these overlapping, like, like a Venn diagram, these circles, we realize that if I can change my relationship with things that fear me, if I can use fear as fuel, if I can use fear to inspire me to research, whether it's YouTube, Google, uh, talk to an expert, find a mentor, read a book, whatever it is, you demystify the hold on you. And the biggest thing, and I'll get way deeper into this as we talk more, is differentiating between uh, physiological fear sensations and psychological fear. When people talk about fight, flight, freeze, and going from parasympathetic to sympathetic, we all go, yeah, we, we, we make notes, but it doesn't change anything because we're not changing 
our inner coach. And the inner coach is your own voice in your head. A lot of us, and 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 I'd like to think this is inadvertent, but I think it's it's unconsciously by design. There's a lot of codependence in mental health, where and and I'll and this is again very provocative, and you, we may have some some uh, healthcare practitioners listening to this, and they're and they may be offended by this. So I'm not going to apologize, but I'll apologize. Uh, and the I had a guy. Uh, do a 97 minute course that we offered and he listened to it three, four times. And then he messaged me and he said, I've never told anyone this, but I've had like mild anxiety for years. He said, he said, I, I listened to this, this program four or five times. I made 10 pages of notes. And in his message to me, he said, is it possible that my anxiety has gone? And I answered him very quickly. I said, well, if I was your therapist, I would say no, because I need to see you next week <laughs> because like, you know, I've got my BMW to pay off. No, I, I get it. I get it. I have a family yeah. member who's been seeing the same um, therapist for over 25 years. And uh, she attempted to take her own life a couple of years ago. So, you know, some, something's, something's not working there. Uh, so I, I totally get what you say about the codependency of the traditional psychological uh, counseling model. Um, what you're talking about reminds me that people need to be fairly introspective to be able to uh, really look at themselves objectively and go, okay, I'm making this decision out of fear. I have this fear. I'm, you know, I have these guardrails around me that I don't even know, or they're kind of, uh, you can't see them because it, it, it's the, the cage of fear holding me in. Um, you know, obviously things like meditation and journaling and mindfulness help us become more introspective, but how do you guide people to a more introspective place so that they can even start to disassemble uh, and look at their fears? I love that question. So one of the, so one of the things is, of course, we all know, and I'm sure you use this and, and it's, probably the most frequently mentioned superpower in the world, and that's self-awareness. And everyone throws it around, but very few people say, look, this, this is the map. As an archaeologist, here's how you dig into your mind, body experience, and, and create greater self-awareness. I believe, and I should I'll answer your question, but then I'd, I'd, I'd like to share where this came from because there's some interesting stories. So it's not like it's like I didn't I didn't lift up a rock and find some scroll and go, oh, my God, look at the fear. It's a fear management map. Um, the. When we get a fear spike, let's say let's say uh, your tooth starts to hurt you. Immediately, two things will happen. You can get a, a physiological reaction to oh my god do i need root canal do i like and you've got some sensation in your body maybe you you start to you know breathe chest breathe instead of belly breathe you're uh, maybe you start to sweat like it depends on everyone's you know psychology with regard to to pain but what happens simultaneously is our brain and our mind starts to produce a movie in our mind where you're the producer you're the director you're the casting director and you've cast yourself as the victim in this horror movie in your mind. 
That's the neatest thing about our program is getting people to realize that there's a movie going on in your mind. I love using the acronym for fear, false expectations appearing real, false expectations appearing real. It's when I'm visualizing a future event, hasn't even happened, and it's debilitating me in the present. So, and, and that's why staying in the present moment, something we teach at Yoga Fit is, I think, so key in dealing with fear because you're just like, okay, I'm going to take this day for the day that it is. And, and as things come up, I will just handle them. That's a lot of my self-talk every right. day. <laughs> and, and, and like, that's the way it should be. I mean, that's the ultimate martial arts Zen, be in the present, don't be in the past, be, don't be in the future. Um, but this, this idea, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect when something, again, let's say I use the toothache. Everyone on this listening to this has probably had some sort of had to go to the dentist, no doubt. And you get when 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 something happens, you a filling came off, you broke a tooth, uh, uh, something's hurting you. Nobody gets the tooth pain and then immediately picks up their phone and goes, oh, my God, you're not going to believe this. I'm so excited to call you. You're the dentist, right? Like nobody's excited to run to the dentist or a doctor. Uh, and and uh, what we do is we, we procrastinate because of the movie in our mind. So in the simplest way, it's this. And I always ask this question, Beth. Have, have you ever gone to a bad movie in a movie theater? Of course. Of course. And without trying to guess the correct answer, do you always leave a bad movie or do you sometimes stay there? And then afterwards you look with your friend or if you went by yourself, you went, well, that was a waste of 90 minutes. That movie sucked. Like you're just waiting for it to get better, waiting for it to get better. Um, I guess because I live in the land of hope, uh, I usually do stay uh, till the end of, in fact, I saw a movie recently that came out. It was very long. It was like a three hour movie. Uh, with a very famous actress uh, who plays a musician without kind of naming that the movie that it is. And like two hours later, nothing was happening, but I, I had to stick it out to the end to see what was going to happen. Right. So that's a little bit different because that's more cerebral. I want to know the story is based on a true story. I want to see the ending. Yeah. You can go, if, if you're into movies, you can go, Hey, the script's not that good. The lighting's not good. Good. The acting's not good, but I want to know the story. Um, when I'm in a bad movie, I leave. There's a point when I go, I don't care if they got two good scenes at the end, something gets blown up, uh, there's sex, there's violence, whatever the things are that that our fantasy minds go to. I go, this sucks. I would rather be reading a book, uh, walking my dog, uh, working out, doing something. Uh the, so we, I, I alluded to self-awareness being the superpower. When we get a fear spike, my tooth hurts me. I should call the dentist right away. But what I do is I hope and I pray uh, that it goes away. And then two days later, it's still there. And then I'm like, should I wait? And then I finally call. And then the dentist says, you should have come in earlier. Look, we caught it early. Here's some antibiotics, blah, whatever it is, right? I'm using that as a metaphor for most people who don't understand how to manage fear is we wait, hoping the universe corrects it on our behalf, not realizing that we have a very strong influence on, on, the, on our future by what we decide to do right now. Sure. And so... In the, in the model of false expectations appearing real, 
what we need to do is we need to create greater self-awareness that I'm living in the future. I'm not living in the present, but it's got to go beyond. And I don't, again, uh, uh, I'm I'm not trying to be polite. No, you don't have to, you don't have to be polite on this show. Yes. Like, (laughs) like very often, you know, especially if you're around yoga or meditation, things get, guru-y like hey just live in the present it's okay you know you'll get through this and i go yeah but this guy's stabbing me i'm being attacked on like just like wusa and no we gotta we gotta fight well, so- well you know i mean i'm from new york originally and so i really believe in, and and clearly i work out uh i believe that uh you know, keeping a positive mindset is important, but you also have to know how to take care of yourself, defend yourself, protect yourself in, you know, and and I know that you train a lot of people in all of this, which I can imagine is so very empowering, especially for people who have dealt with childhood trauma, have PTSD. Um, You know, for me, being super fit and strong is one more way that I deal with my fears. Because if I have to, I could probably kick someone's ass. Uh, fortunately, I've never had to do that. But, um, you know, there's there's an empowerment in knowing that you can take care of yourself physically for sure. And that involves, you know, calling the dentist if you have a toothache right away or, um, you know, being mindful when you're walking down a dark street. Yeah, a hundred percent. And for those, I don't, you know, for those people who can't see you, you know, you are incredibly fit and, you uh, and and keep at keep at that we make it we you know learning how to manage violence is more cerebral than people think and but it starts with and this is a fun one your situational awareness is directly connected to your self-awareness and a lot of people don't realize that that if you're walking with blinders you're looking at your phone you got your headphone on because you're afraid so what you do is you think well i'll just get invisible here what you're actually doing is you're undermining your intuition, your instincts by, by almost like, a, you know, you know, uh, if you were in a soundproof room. I had an experience a few years ago in New York. I was walking uh, late at night near Koreatown and the streets were really dark. And then all of a sudden, and I grew up in New York and I think maybe I was followed once and I knew someone was behind me and I kept crossing the street and went into a store and it was fine. And I used to take the subway at like two o'clock in the morning as a teenager, no problem. But someone came out of the shadows and I felt like fear. And what I did was I, I literally energetically and physically expanded my body like and I visualized the head of a cobra snake mm. and that person disappeared pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you probably look like a freak to them. <laughs> And, but but, but you mean, don't don't you think also energetically, uh, people people feel they feel fear, and a lot of people unfortunately in our world prey on that. So well, yet another reason to to get the fear out of the way. It's 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 reciprocal. So understand this, and this is this is a neat thing. So let's go back to the eighties for a moment. Uh, I started I started teaching professionally in nineteen eighty. I started teaching friends just so I had people to work out with in 1977. In 1980, I started teaching professionally. And this, a good friend of my family asked me to train their 15-year-old son. And I had been boxing, doing Jeet Kune Do, which is Bruce Lee's art, uh, doing Taekwondo, wrestling for years. And what I taught this individual were the physical tools. Uh, and um, the I trained this kid and then 
the bully confrontation, he's being trained, he had a bully situation in school and his dad didn't want him, you know, to be traumatized by that. So he said, hey, I know you do martial arts. Would you train him? I started training him and uh, I trained him. And then when when he and the bully had their confrontation, the bully beat the shit out of him. Mm. came back for a private lesson and when he told me what happened like like it it bothered me so much i abhor violence and i want to state that the reason i practice managing fear and violence is because i am terrified of being a victim i am horrified at some of the things that happen to people in the world and i i just never wanted to be vulnerable like that can i ask you a question Sure, of course. I have heard that uh, the victim and the perpetrator often are on the same energetic wavelength, just like, you know, a criminal and the one who is, you know, perpetuated against as a crime. Not to get like too out there on, but what do you what do you think about that? Um, you mean like the yin and yang, like the victim is so afraid and the predator is so... Yeah, I heard that they're energetically kind of sharing the same wavelength. Yeah, I'd have to understand more of what you mean. My my instinct with with the for those of you who can see me, I got a neon sign on the back of my wall. It says "fuck fear," and uh, and it's not being cavalier. It's a very cool acronym for face it, understand it, control it, and know it. And I'll I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit after, but. Um, you know, somebody at a metaphysical level might say, well, look, you know, like, uh, you know, this is how you connect it energetically. I look at it as predator prey. I look at it as, as I abhor violence and I hate bad guys. And I don't think of it at that, at that level, at a certain level, I go, that sounds like a bunch of bullshit. Um, and it's, it's because I've had people say to me, I don't want to learn to defend myself because I don't want to attract violence. Well, that's many people say that about firearms, uh, that they don't want to have a firearm because they're going to attract a certain something. Um, I have another question for you. Let me let me interrupt you with this. Okay. Um, that would be the same as I don't want to buy a fire extinguisher for my home and my office because I don't want to attract a fire. <laughs> like the like the tool doesn't attract anything. It's a tool that yeah. you know. So, but do you remember what you were going to ask me? No, I, I love that actually, because no one's spraying their fire extinguisher around their house. Right. Um, unless they have to, of course. So there are a lot of like personal growth workshops and a lot of uh, inspirational gurus that are making people jump off of buildings and, and go, you know, parachuting out of the sky or walking on hot coals to face your fear to me. And I've been to some of those seminars. I never really wanted to do that because I, I, I run a business. I'm traveling a lot. I, I have, you know, raising my cortisol levels one more time does not seem uh, very attractive to me. And I don't want to put my body in any more stress states than I already uh, am able to, to be in. What are your thoughts? Do you think that kind of one and done, uh, it, it helps people with their fear do they think, well, at least, you know, I, I did that. So I have more confidence. Uh, I got, so my thought is yes and no, <laughs> or yes, but even though I hate when people say, but uh, in 2010, my family experienced a home invasion and it was awful. I wasn't home. Uh, two guys, guns, no masks. Uh, my son I was 16 at the time. He heard them at the front door, uh, uh, you know, yelling at my wife. 
Uh, he knew something was wrong, could figure it out. He was upstairs. He called 911. We lived in a kind of a nice area in Virginia. Uh, and that shit's not supposed to happen. And the cops were there literally inside of a minute and a half. They had already moved my two daughters and my wife and my son, put them in a closet at gunpoint, came back, grabbed my wife, pulled her out of the closet. All of this is considered like kidnapping. And, you know, if you know anything about violence, like somebody who's not trying to conceal their identity, that's always bad, right? That's always a bad sign. It's just particularly in a home invasion or a kidnapping. Uh, the cops came and the sirens scared them and they all fled from the house. The uh, About a year later, I had taken the family to uh, Hawaii for a vacation. And on the North Shore, there's this giant rock at uh, uh, in, in the North Shore. I just forgot the, the name of the bay. I think it's Waialea Bay or, or whatever. It's this giant, and the locals jump off of it. Waialea Bay. Is that, uh, is that on Maui? No, it's on Oahu. Okay, yeah, because there's something similar on Maui. So there's this giant rock on a one. It's like what, like 40 feet out of the water. The locals on one side doing backflips and everything else. The tourists go to the other side. It's a calmer side. The waves don't come in. Um, but it's like 30 feet up. Right. You got to jump out there. I don't like heights. Right. I'm a fear management expert. I don't like heights. My daughters see people walking up this cool trail onto this rock right in the middle of this bay. And um, people are jumping off it. And it looks like fun from a distance. Right. Like a roller coaster ride looks like fun in the picture. And uh, they say they want to go. We get up there on the top. The wind starts to come up. While we're walking up, Beth, two adults are walking down and they say loud enough. They're talking to each other, but we can hear them. They were going like, wow, that looked really dangerous and scary. Uh, I'm not doing that. And they're walking down. Well, my kids hear it. And they kind of like look scared. We go up to the top and you're like, holy shit. You're like looking over and you've got to jump like three feet to clear the edge. Yes. Yeah. And and my little girl, Olivia, who's 20 now, she was seven at the time. She starts freaking out like she's crying, hyperventilating. She can't. And I'm sitting there kneeling down on top of the rock going, sweetheart, you don't have to do this. Adults got scared. It's OK to be afraid. This is like a big this is a big thing. And she goes, but I really want to. But I really want to. And uh and I'm thinking, jokingly in the back of my head, I'm thinking, please don't do this because I don't want to, <laughs> like, let's get off here. This, I don't, yeah. don't want to get this up here. She's crying. And uh, she looks up at me. And sometimes when I tell the story, my eyes tear up, but I, I should be okay because it's it's been, you know. But she looks up at me and she says, I've got to do this. And she looks at me and she's through her tears. She says, if I can get through a home invasion, I can jump off a rock, right, wow. Dad? And I'm like, like, what do you say? And and she goes her three, two, one, and she jumps. And I'm screaming. We got pictures of this too. And she jumps off there. And she's and of course, after she does it, it's fun. She's in the water with my wife in the bottom. And I'm like, I'm clapping, like, oh my God, I'm so proud of her. But I'm like, holy fuck, this is scary. <laughs> and then she goes, Come on, Dad, it's easy. Right. And I'm going, Oh my God, now I have to jump. <laughs> But part of the story you asked me about, you know, skydiving and, and doing these one one and done things as a, as a as a symbol that you can get through everything. 
it's true and it's not true. Um, you can use an experience as an anchor where you go, I did this. That was way harder at, in terms of like insurmountable at the moment. I didn't believe I could do it. Why can't I apply that same mindset? If you've got the self-awareness to make that abstraction, that it's a metacognitive jump. I did a, I've got, I, I've done C and now B is presenting itself, but B is remember my comfort zone, discomfort zone, holy shit zone metaphor. B just represents a holy shit moment for me. And I go, you know what? We did A, we did C, we can go through this. Here's what's missing in modern uh, uh, fear management. Nobody says enough. There are things in your life that you will do afraid, that you must do afraid, and you need to therefore change your relationship with fear so that fear is not some external force. It's an internal resource. It's not an external force. It's an in internal resource. It's fear being turned into fuel that I'm now using to move towards the danger or to face this obstacle. What's so important there is just that reframe. Cause like I grew up with fear all the time as an athlete, I was like, don't let down the team. I'm up at bats. I'm wrestling. Uh, don't get pinned. Don't everything was negative, negative, negative. And when you're, you're, it's exhausting the cortisol, the mindset, the, the, the it's, it's funny because I, I do a lot of work in the mental health space and, you know, everyone talks about PTSD as post-traumatic stress. Well, I, a few years ago, I, 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 I coined a new type of PTS and it's pre-traumatic stress. It's fucking worrying so much about the outcome that I've now created this emotional, psychological burden and baggage that's actually changing how I perform. Never going to hit a proverbial flow state. You know, if you're an athlete or you're an artist, because you're, it'd be somebody, if I'm signing up with you and I want to learn, I want to get more mobility and stability. I don't want to do a yoga fit, but in the back of my mind, every time I do something, I go, I hope I don't hurt my back. I hope I don't hurt my neck. I hope I don't, you know, uh, tear something or whatever. And I'm carrying all of those fears, but I never. Well, then you're, you're going to, I would say you'll, you're going to definitely manifest them. Um, which is why I think mindset and self-talk is so important. I'm sure you would agree with me. Yeah, but that's so that that's that's why in in when we talk no fear, K N O W and fuck fear, face it, understand it, control it, C is the missing link. Because people say, listen, do something that scares you every day and you'll blah blah blah, right? That's that, that's that go skydiving, do a fire walk, do that. And these are these, I'm not saying don't do those things, but it doesn't guarantee that that experience is going to um, uh, empower you in every experience. Well, yeah. And also because they're physical and like um, a lot of my fears come around like har harming my body. Uh, for example, I always wanted to take martial arts, but I was always afraid that I would get kicked in the face. Uh, so I never uh, really practiced any martial arts. Um, you know, but that's different than making a decision to buy a company or close a company down. Uh, so some of these like these physical things that we might even do to overcome our fears are just they're really physical. But I, I think the real challenge in this and I'm curious as to what your thoughts are is, you know, those those 
fears that we have about making life changes or taking a different direction, uh, perhaps taking on a new career, being vulnerable in a relationship like those uh, get a little closer to home. And and definitely, uh, how do you practice and control those fears? So, you know, one of the one of the I'm trying to think of the best word. You know, you're very physically fit. Anybody who listens to your show, they're doing yoga. So they understand the importance of, of moving your body and, and movement and, and keeping your mind moving, your body moving, connecting to the breath. While that's happening, you know, your mind is wandering. If you meditate, you know, you're like you're sitting there meditating. You're most people, if they're new to meditation or judge, this is so hard. I can't stop yeah. thinking all these thoughts, not realizing like and that's a great metaphor for fear management. You don't ever get to the point, uh, I shouldn't say don't ever, but you will always have distracting thoughts floating in. And the purpose of, of that strengthening that brain and that mindset is to recognize that and not fixate on that. So that's very, uh, it's, it's like anybody who does mindful meditation can learn how to manage fear more effectively because they're already exercising that muscle. So if I, if somebody said to me, you know, uh, uh, how do I get stronger? And we said, well, you know, I want you to be doing some push-ups and sit-ups and do some dumbbell, uh, you know, dumbbell work. You can practice and and create courage by practicing courage, and you practice courage by by doing little steps when you can. Like for example, uh, you know, you got somebody who's uh, uh, I and I'll give you I'll give you a real example. I train a lot of people who are professional warriors and and they they put the what is what i'm assuming you mean military uh navy seals swat yeah yeah Yeah. so and these are people whatever whatever your political opinion is forget that these are people that that they don't know if they're coming home tonight right if 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 you sign up for a jujitsu class you know you're going home after Right. Yeah. Even you overcome your fear, you know, you're coming home. These like just imagine that type of pressure and they will run towards the gunfire. Ninety nine percent of them are really, really good people. But and I, and I know this because I've been training these professionals since 1993. I will be. Do you, class- do you think that they just I've always wondered, do they just have less fear than your average no. person? Is it no. a gender thing? No, uh, Okay. It's, part of it's a calling, right? Part of it's a calling. Uh, you, you, you know, I, I run, I run a business that has four different verticals. If you show me an Excel spreadsheet and go through some stuff, my eyes roll back and I'm like, oh my god, like, like the accounting side. My wife, if I call her up right now and I go, you know, uh, our second Amex card expires when she'll go, oh, you know, like she's like she's a genius with this stuff. Right. She goes, Right. So there are aptitudes and there are callings. There are for things like I'm sure you feel like like if I said to you, pick another job, there's no more yoga. You're you're mentally fit enough and resilient enough to go. That sucks. I really love this. You'll figure out something else. But you feel there's a calling there. There's a passion, you know, which is why you've invested so much in it. Where I was going with these these cops and military is I've been at a table where I'm training, let's say a full-time SWAT team. And I say to these guys that I all know have been in knife fights, gun fights, fought the the most dangerous, evil predators. 
and I go, does anyone have any questions? And then these 12 SWAT guys will look at me. No. Okay, guys, let's take a 10 minute break. And uh, we'll come back here. We're going to go to the next part of the class. And then I walk over to go get a coffee. And here's like some guy with tattoos and cauliflower ears. And, and, you know, he comes up to me and he goes, Hey, coach Blower, I got a question for you. And I'm like, I just asked if there were any questions. And he goes, yeah, I didn't want to ask in front of the guys. Cause like, it's stupid. It's like, but what he's demonstrating is fear of public speaking. Right. And fear of being vulnerable. Yes. But he's a guy that now, if I said to you, this guy just jumped out of a helicopter, fast roped into a gunfight, ran into a burning building where people were shooting and saved the day. But he's afraid to ask a question in public or he's afraid to tell his wife, I love you. I'm sorry. Let's not fight. Or he's So we can be very, very uh, driven and competent and confident in one area and completely unskilled in another area. And when you peel every onion Beth, this is my own personal philosophy. When you peel every onion and you start to strip away all the rational lies, the, oh no, I don't know, I don't want, it comes down to, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of something. That's why I won't uh, change my diet or get fit or, or get married or quit this job or go to therapy or whatever it is. But all of that comes back to something I said earlier you can't know that if your self-awareness doesn't let you have that conversation. Right. So self-awareness is that superpower. The When we get a fear spike, we immediately have doubt and hesitation. That's like a default reaction, right? When when you see you're driving and brake lights go on, you don't go, oh, brake lights go on. Oh, what should I do now? Should I hit the gas? Should I hit the brakes? That becomes like an, an unconscious response. You've learned how to react to that. So when we get a fear spike, our nervous system immediately has doubt and hesitation. If you don't have the self-awareness to go, ah, I've just hesitated on doing X, Y, Z, that hesitation becomes procrastination. Right. I find it personally like very helpful to just when I'm feeling fear to just announce its presence to myself and be like, this is fear. Mm -hmm. Here it is. I love that. You know, it's, it's in the room with me. That's great. The, the, because now you've shined a light on it. You know, there's a, a, a famous boxing coach who said, you know, fear is like a uh, fire. A fire can warm your home and it can cook your food. But if you don't know how to control it, it can also burn your home down. And it can burn you. So fear is like fire, which is, I love that one because it's very similar to my, you know, how do I change my relationship with fear and make fear my fuel so that it's not a, an external force making me flinch and move away from it, but it's now a resource, but I need to make that switch. And it starts with acknowledging it. So that's a self-awareness piece. What you do after that is super important. Let me share this cool story with you. I had a female athlete call me up who knew, uh, knew of me through her now husband. You know, my whole martial arts self-defense program is predicated on uh, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the base of it isn't doing fancy, cool shit at the top, the self-actualization. It's I'm afraid I might not survive and the mind navigates the body. So if we don't manage our fear, we can't manage to move. Right. Right. And so she calls me up. She's a competitive athlete. 
And so she heard I was a specialist in this psychology of fear, which is very different than, you know, you go up to somebody and they go, well, you're in a parasympathetic shift to sympathetic. Uh, you're, you need to get back to rest and digest. And you're going, I'm fucking scared. Stop saying shit like that. Help me, help me get rid of this. Right. And, uh, so she tells me the story. She goes, look, I've got a competition on Saturday, and this is my history for the last 10 years as a competitive athlete. Wednesday night, I start to feel fear. I, I have trouble sleeping. Then I don't eat properly or sleep properly for two days before the competition. I'm so nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, irritable. I'm agitated. And I and I uh, I know I'm not. I do well. But I never like number one in the podium because I know that I'm sleep deprived. I don't have good energy systems. I'm just tired of feeling this fear. I've like, like I just, when it, it hits me, I want to die. I'm so scared. I feel like I'm going to die. Her name's Natalie. So we're doing a Zoom call like this. So I look at her. I go, okay, cool. Let me ask you a question. This is important. I'm going to write this down. Um, and just tell me the truth. I need an exact number. So you've been having this for 10 years? She goes, yeah. And I go, so Wednesday night it starts and it was Wednesday. She goes, yeah. I go, and you feel like you're going to die? She goes, yeah. I said, in the last 10 years, I'm going to mark this down because the math is important. How many times have you died in the last 10 years from the fear? So she smiles like you just did, Beth. She's like, what? I go, how many times have you died? Like, and who brought you to, back to life? She goes, well, I never literally died. I'm just saying, I feel like I'm going to die. I said, so I want you to do something tonight. First of all, your self-talk, I feel like I'm going to die, isn't going to help you. And this is very close. What You made me think of this story because you said, my self-awareness feels the fear and I announce it. But we can do more with it. So I told her, it's almost the same thing, but listen, listen to the change in language. I said, Natalie, tonight you're waiting for the fear. So are you manifesting it? Uh, 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 is it a self-fulfilling prophecy? Well, it's there. You're supposed to have anxiety arousal, right? Before in a big event, if you're going to yeah. do a big, a big talk tomorrow for 500 people, why shouldn't you be nervous? I always, always get anxious, but I just got back from Japan presenting and I always get anxious before a presentation and I've been doing it for quite some time, 25 years. It's, it's normal. And here's the thing is the difference is this, if you don't like it, it's worse. But if you changed your idea about it, if you went, okay, fear is fuel. This means I really care. Exactly. Yeah. So here's what I said to Natalie. I said, tonight, when the fear comes, because it's it's going to come because you've asked for it, you've invited it. You said every Wednesday, right? Um, so he's never late. I said, when the fear comes, when you feel it, I want you to pretend you can see it. I want you to look at it. And I want you to do this with your finger. And I said, do this to me with your finger, like call it here. And I want you to say, come here, you little fucker. I've been waiting for you. <laughs> so I actually was wondering what time you were coming tonight. I said, come here, you little fucker. And then I want you to say out loud. And I made her say it to me. I said, I said to her, what's your favorite old movie, an old black and white movie? Or she goes, Casablanca or whatever. I said, okay, I want you, you got a favorite book that you like rereading shit like a couple. I said, I get, get the book out, get the movie loaded. When the fear comes, you go, hey, listen, you little fucker, we're watching Casablanca and then we're going to read Gone with the Wind. <laughs> and she goes, are you serious now? I said, yeah. I said, you go fuck with your fear. Don't let it control the room. You control it. And she called me the next day. She says, 
this is weird, but I don't remember falling asleep and I had a pretty good night's sleep because it was like changing her relationship as goofy as that is. Fear can be like a backseat driver in your car that's whispering in your ear, you're going the wrong way, you're not going to make it, you're going to miss this, you're going to screw up your, your meeting, your interview is going to go back, whatever, whatever the negative self-talk is, or you feel the fear and you look at it and you, and you pretend it's the co-pilot in your car and you go, hey, buckle up because I'm about to hit the gas. Here we go. Fear is fuel. In the metaphor, the car is your body. Stay in shape. The direction you're going or your goals, your mindset, the nav system is what do you believe in life? You know, what's your vision? What's your mission for yourself? And then the fear is when you think about comfort zone, discomfort zone, holy shit zone. If I say to you, hey, man, you got something really good here. I want you to move out of New York and I want you to go global with your company. Like that's an audacious goal. If you go back in time, there was probably doubt and hesitation and fear around growing that. But like, that's what life is. How do we, you know, how do we use fear as fuel and and, and do more with our, for ourselves and our families? Yeah. That, that self-talk piece is huge. When I started yoga fit, I quit a very lucrative advertising sales job um, to, to basically for the, for the first couple of years, not earn much of an income. And I just, I, I told him it was like jumping off a cliff for me. And my mother was like, don't do it. You know, you're leaving such a good job. And I thought, you know, I can always get another job, but I'm not going to be able to get another calling so easily. Um, and that higher purpose was what drove me. You know, we're living in a society now that has been bombarded with fear for the past two and a half years, capitalizing on what I think our biggest fear as human beings are, and that is the fear of death. Um, what differences have you seen uh, since the pandemic in terms of people being in a fear state? I just got back from Japan where they're still wearing masks everywhere. Um, you know, so clearly th some things haven't changed uh, in, a, in a while. And, and that is that fear has a, a lockdown on, on a lot of people. Um, has your work changed at all since the pandemic? Uh, it's gotten more important to me, you know, way more important to me. You know, fear has been weaponized, whatever your political beliefs are. Um, if you can't see that something's wrong, you, you know, with, with everything that around the pandemic and every, you know, conspiracy theory has come true. Uh, and, and, and that's just factual. And it's, and it's crazy because there's parts of my family where I could say, look, this is this study presented by the company that did this. And this is now the Washington post saying this and then, and they're going, don't show that to me. Like they don't want to know. Right. So, um, that comes back to again your superpower is self-awareness if you feel something is wrong i said this earlier that situational awareness is connected to self-awareness if you don't know that you're being uh manipulated if something is off if i asked you have you ever been screwed over in business the answer is going to be yes yes of course have you, been, have you ever been screwed over in a relationship the answer is going to be yes yeah. everyone says yes to both those questions <clears throat> excuse me when i'm <clears throat> mentoring and coaching and talking to people. That's one of the questions I ask people. And I go, when the dust settled from that betrayal in business or relationship, did you say to somebody, a confidant, someone close to you, you know what? I knew that was going to happen. A hundred percent of the people that I ask a hundred percent of the time say that, yeah, 
I knew, and we talk about intuition. If you knew, why did you let it happen? So there's a part of our cognitive dissonance, our romantic self, our unconscious bias that gets us in trouble because we don't trust our instincts and our intuition. It took me a long time to develop that within myself. Um, to be honest with you, I, t- I totally get what you're saying. To trust, especially if you grow up in a household where um, you're not validated, I think a lot of us end up with self-doubt uh, of our own intuition. And it, it does take a while to, to connect with that or reconnect with it, I should say. Absolutely. Rediscover, reconnect. Um so this is all part of the uh, part of the program is just it's almost like uh, if you ask me my kids, I got three kids. If you ask me what their phone numbers are, I don't know. You know why? Because they're in my smartphone and I've never had to memorize their phone number. But when I was growing up, if I wanted to call my grandmother, or my mother or or uh, somebody, I had to memorize their I memorize their phone number. Um, and, and what I'm what I'm saying is a lot of skills that allowed us to navigate danger in life we've been domesticated we've forgotten how to trust our instincts and our intuition including google maps and ways which i find too sometimes i just uh i have a pretty good sense of direction and sometimes i will just refrain from using those tools so that i can kind of find my own way yeah yeah and so they should be exactly like you said they're tools yeah so As we move towards the end of the show, um, as a woman, I have to ask you this question. I often, you know, admire um, the ways men can sometimes navigate through the world with what appears as though they have less fear. Is, do you think, have you found gender differences when it comes to the uh, amount or capacity of fear that people have, or the fear is just different. I think you know. You, you remember that old book? You know uh, what is it? Men are from Venus, women are from Mars, or men are from mm-hmm. Mars, Yeah, yeah, the opposite, right. but whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. So um, the, uh, of course, of course, we're different, and and society, and that's changing rapidly in the last 10, 20, 30 years. Um, the i think there are differences but a lot of it has to do with what your condition and and what you believe i've met women that are insanely strong like very uh, uh my wife is so mentally strong with certain things and and uh you know other things you know there's like almost like a like a, a role reversal in certain things where something will happen. Let's say, you know, you know, uh, my daughter is supposed to be home at 11 and it's now t- midnight that I'm like freaking out. And sh- I'm like, well, how can you go to bed? She'll like, she'll be fine. She's at a friend's house. She's just, you know, we'll deal with it tomorrow. And I'm like thinking she's murdered or kidnapped. Right. Right. Um, so I think, I think we do relate to things differently. I think that a lot of it has to do not with uh, the gender part, and I'm not but trying to society be... societal programming. Yeah, but how did how did you grow up? Like, if you grew up on a farm, you know, with with three older brothers slinging hay and milking cows and wrestling, and then you move to the city, you know, you grew up in New York, so you moving around somewhere, you, like you create there was an adaptation 
to the hustle and bustle and the danger and the risk in New York, where I go to New York and I'm like, like this, because I didn't grow, I grew up in suburbia in Canada. So there's definitely stress inoculation, right? Which is a big fancy word for an adaptation to the scenarios that we frequently see. Um, But I think all of it, at the end of the day, all of it is, can be learned. You know, it's all, and and that's that's the the neat thing about, uh, you know, you asked me a bit like, you know, in the last couple of years, what have I seen change? The importance of understanding how to improve our self-awareness so so that we can pick up when fear is being weaponized versus when is it a real fear. Right. And then learning how to navigate that is critical. And as we're um, a minute or two till close, and you can just give me a one word answer if you'd like here. In your expert opinion, Tony, what is the opposite of fear? Wow, that's a deep, deep uh, courage, courage okay. for me. Because we could say love, we could say this, but if I'm courageous, I'll be able to love. If I'm courageous, I'll be able to defend myself. Great. So, well, we hope that our listeners enjoyed this show. I, I wish the show was three hours today because there's so much to unpack here. Uh, we'd like to thank our guest, Tony Blauer, so much. Uh, Tony, find, tell us where we can find you online. Uh, if you want to find out everything we do, go to my main website, BlauerTrainingSystems.com. My last name, B-L-A-U-E-R, TrainingSystems.com. Right. And I'm on all social medias as Tony Blauer. And we're going to put all the contact information in the show notes. We would like to thank our sponsor, Yoga Fit Training Systems, the leader in yoga, mind, body education worldwide. Uh, just got back from Japan where we're bringing Yoga Fit into hospitals and healthcare systems there. And uh, super excited for our conference coming up in Palm Springs in January. So please check us out at yogafit.com and you can save 15% at checkout with the code VOICE22. Also, please visit me online, bethshaw.com. My books are available anywhere books are sold. And if you liked this show, please share it, especially if you have someone in your life who's dealing with fear. So Tony, thanks again so much. Namaste, everyone. Have a healthy, healthy holiday season. And we'll see you next week for more of Make America Healthy, where we are educating people, giving them information so they can make better, healthier choices on every level. Namaste. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Make America Healthy. We hope we've given you some tools you need to take back control of your health. Until next time, we wish you a healthy and wonderful week.